Well, I've been teaching on the subject of healing, and we've been having people give some testimonies. Tonight, I want to share a testimony with you. It was nine years ago next week that I was with Richard and Dorothy Van Winkle. They're the pastors of Shepherd's House right down here. Some of their members. And you're in Louisville, is that right? And I was with them nine years ago, and uh, I was ministering at their... Um, church and Chris Oshinsky, the one that you heard give the whoop over here, was at that meeting and I was ministering to people and she got really touched and just had the Lord quicken some things to her and she came up and asked if I would come and minister to her daughter, Nikki, and, um, and pray for her. And so the next day, Richard took me over there, and I tell you, it's one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. It was just tremendous, and we have that on our Healing Journeys DVD. We have this testimony. If you haven't gotten this, you ought to get it. These are five of the greatest testimonies you'll ever hear, uh, just tremendous things. And so we are really privileged tonight to have Nikki Oshinsky-Weller here, and I want to ask Nikki to come up and share a little bit of this testimony with you about what God did. Hallelujah. Good to see you, Nikki. I hadn't got to hug her in that. Boy, what a blessing. For a couple of years, we kind of traveled together, and she gave this testimony a lot. Yes. And, uh, you know, I heard that you had somebody come up. Was it uh, one of Mark's friends or something heard? co-worker asked something about your testimony and he got to minister to them. So we still have, I don't know, four, five, six hundred visits a a month on our website getting your testimony, but it's awesome. So tell them what Jesus did for you. Okay. Let's put it in a nutshell, shall we? Um, Nine years ago on Monday, I say it's Sunday. Mom says it's the 16th. I don't really remember. But um, in about four days, it'll be the nine-year anniversary of me being completely receiving my healing. I was healed 2,000 years ago. And um, (laughs) when um, I was 14, I was going home from Wednesday night service with my parents, and I just wanted to get in the back seat of the van to read a birthday invitation. And I hadn't gotten my seatbelt yet, and right then we were in a five-car pileup. And I was thrown against the window, and I ended up having bruising on the bone, and they said, here's a sling, and here's some pills, and kid, you'll be fine. And um, I kind of was okay, and then I went to youth camp and got this pain in my hip, and uh, within six months, I'd rather crawl than walk, and the pain went all through my whole body. And I felt like I had the flu for about three years. That's fun. And uh, we went to 18 different doctors, and either said, you're crazy, or you're homeschooler, right? You must need more attention, or something's really wrong. Go to this doctor. And uh, the whole time, you know, I'm, I met the Lord when I was four. I don't remember receiving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, but there's evidence of that happening. And um, so the whole time I knew God wanted to give me a future, and he wanted me to fulfill what he called me to do. And he wanted me to be able to wear makeup and drive a car and eat Doritos and get a Dr. Pepper because that's what good Texas girls do. <laughs> but I thought that you waited for the sovereign time of the Lord. I thought that, you know, I was sitting over there praying, Lord, 
if Andrew wants me to speak, what do you want me to share? And there's some people in here tonight that you think you're in this foxhole situation. You're like, well, God, if you'll just make this pain go away, I swear to you, I swear to you, I'll serve you. I swear to you, I'll stop cussing. Well, we know when you stump your toe, what's going to happen. You know, I, I, Lord, I swear to you if, you, if you just heal my sister, I promise I'll be a better testimony. This is not a barter situation. You have nothing he wants except for you to sit in his lap. And let him love on you. That's it. That's all he wants from you. And I, I knew that's all he wanted from me, but I thought he had like this calendar day somewhere in the future. And, you know, just like you don't ask, what day are you coming back? You don't ask, well, what day is that going to happen? And um, so this went on for five and a half years. And uh, it, it slowly developed into environmental sensitivities. You know, don't light a candle around me. Don't use Lysol. Don't eat a barbecue sandwich like I just did, so if I smell like mesquite, you know why. And, um, you know, all those things would make me react, and I ended up being that girl in the bubble who couldn't walk, who couldn't eat normal foods, who never went out with her friends, who couldn't be hugged because my ribs would pop out of place. It was hell. But the whole time God said, Nikki, you have a future. Nikki, you're going to get married. Nikki, you're going to be creative and not just watch people be creative. Nikki, you're going to have life. That's all he wants is for you to have life, and that's him. And um, so then that night when Mom went to Andrew's meeting, he taught on grace and faith. Guys, I was raised in church. I've heard of grace and faith. I mean, I was a VBS kid, and the kid stuck in the back when Mom was building stuff and doing children's ministry. But what he said was, grace is everything that God provided for you on the cross. And just like you never had to wait to get your salvation. That day you heard the message of who Jesus is and that he loved you, you could receive it. Well, that's the exact same thing with healing. And that's in your mind, that's in your heart, and that's in your body. And uh, when mom brought that tape home, we were done letting people pray for me because we were waiting for that sovereign timing and these people were wearing me out with their shundies and weeping and, oh Lord, it was just too much. I was tired. And they smelled and made me react. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just the truth. You and said something about a guy hugged you one time and, and you had a reaction. Did you have to go to the hospital? No, you or? have to take five shots. I mean, she yeah. was so sensitive that perfume or cologne from somebody would just send her over the top. You know, anytime I hear this third day song that happened to be on the radio at the time, I'm very auditory. We were driving to the clinic that I went to five days a week with my mom at the end there, and there was a school bus that pulled in front of us. And when it, when it hit the gas to go down the street again after the light, and all the exhaust came out and it went to into our car, my head pounded in the room, you know, everything spun in the car, and I remember mom going, hold on baby, hold on baby, hold on baby, and she's pulling over to the side to try to get me medicine. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is, this is, Okay, I'll wait. But, you know, I know God's seeing you through. And everybody in here who knows the Lord and hasn't had that manifestation of healing, you can give testimony after testimony about how God has preserved you, how he's always, always given you joy, always given you peace when you need it, always given you encouragement. But he wants you to have it all because he already bought it for you and he's got it in his pocket. And so when mom came home and brought me that tape and he said, you can have it now. Now's the perfect timing of the Lord. I remember thinking, 
Oh gosh, I gotta put on real clothes because a real guy is coming over here other than my dad. And then he came over and he said, Hi, I'm Andrew. And all I remember him is the guy we went to a meeting when I was 13 and we got to go to Dairy Queen afterwards. I just, that's all I remembered, honestly. And um, he said, Hi, my name is Andrew and I believe you're going to be healed today. And I said, Me too. I could have slapped myself. I was so done making plans. I mean, my husband and I just booked a trip four months out. And it still kind of blows my mind that I'm making plans, you know, with money down on it in the future. Because I'd stopped making plans. Didn't plan anymore. And uh, you certainly didn't commit to something like that, for crying out loud. You can't commit to dinner. You're committing to, like, a full body healing here in five minutes. (laughs) But, But my spirit... See, those five and a half years, God had been doing something. He had been proving his love over and over and over to me. And even though I was that church kid with the loving dad that never showed me anything but your heavenly father loves you, and the mom that was always so encouraging and full of joy, I still had that. Well, it hurts more than I believe you. And uh, that day, I believed him more than I hurt. And... um, Andrew started praying for me, and he had no clue how bad it was, guys. He had, I didn't. He had no clue. You know, when I saw the video that my TV department produced on this, I was gobsmacked. Uh, that's what they say in England. He's been in Europe too long. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just shocked. Like, I didn't know she was this bad. This is the first time I knew. It was, it was all God. It was not me. <laughs> it really was. Um, he started praying for me, and... This sounds like an infomercial. Well, if you get the video, you'll hear um, that I actually, I, I, I see angels and demons and things like that. But I saw Jesus several times during this whole thing. And when Andrew was praying for me, I saw Jesus in the spirit come over and just started pulling away my skin. Not in a gross, like, sci-fi way, but like, you know, pulling it away and ripping away all that dead, death baggage. And uh, as soon as he got to my feet... I felt so physically strong that I pushed Andrew away and threw my blanket away and ran to my dad. And I hadn't walked in six months. And you know how when you exhaust your muscles and you just shake, you know? Well, that was me. And uh, I turned around because I had righteous indignation. Guys, I don't get angry easily. It's not in my nature. And that's a problem to a degree. I needed to get mad because I was being stolen from. And uh, I had righteous indignation. I said, I don't want to shake anymore either. And he's, oh, that's not a problem. And Andrew's way. <laughs> Body, you be still, and you are strong, and no shaking in Jesus' name. And I walked across the room to my mom. Um, that's nine years ago on Sunday or Monday. I can't remember. And um, my life is full. I can honestly say God healed my mind that day. Um, I never had a dream again that I couldn't walk. Um, I didn't expect to hurt anymore. Um, and it's taken about nine years for my knee-jerk reaction to not be surprised at how good life is. But life is good, and it's full. And God patiently let me walk through adult adolescence of figuring out who the heck I am and gave me a patient, loving husband that let me explore that and figure out what size clothes I wear and what kind of eggs I like and... You know, all that stuff. But um, he purchased it for you just like he purchased it for me. And he wants it to be whole, not just pieces. 
So, and it's only because he loves you. That's it. That's it. So, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. God bless you. I'll see you after Okay. Good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's just, it's so hard to grasp what she's really talking about if you weren't there and if you didn't know her. Her parents over here could sure give you quite a testimony about what it was like. It was a desperate situation and God just turned it around and, um, you know, it was not me. This family was believing God and all they needed was a person to just speak one truth into their life to hang their faith on and, and... they were the ones who believed. You need to get that DVD. I tell you what, it is one of the most powerful things. I have never watched it yet that I don't sit there and cry. It is powerful. So anyway, I encourage you to check that out. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 5. We've been talking about healing. And last night and this morning, what I was doing was trying to establish beyond doubt that it is God's will for you to be well. That sounds so simple. And it really is simple, but most people aren't completely, totally convinced of that. And they waver. And the scripture says in James chapter 1, that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives to all men liberally, and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you waver, you won't receive. You've got to believe without wavering. You've got to be absolutely sold out. Paul said in a number of different places that he was fully persuaded. And I know that in my own life, as well as people I minister to, there's people who know that it's God's will. They believe it, but they aren't completely convinced. And that's what I've been trying to do last night and this morning is to remove those doubts and to get you to where you don't doubt this because you can't go beyond this step. If you waver that it's God's will for you to be well, you will not receive it. You know, let me real quickly give this testimony that when I first got really turned on to the Lord, uh, I had some people that were like, uh, there was this one woman that was like a spiritual mother to me and she had been really influential in my life and had been very important And when I got turned on to the Lord and started believing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this lady was a Baptist, and this was strange to her. She didn't really reject me over the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But when I started believing that it's God's will to be healed and all of these kind of things, uh, she started getting a little bit upset. And uh, so anyway, there was a time that my wife, my sister, my mother... And and this woman, we're all sitting around my mother's kitchen table and we've got to discuss some things. And she said something about God putting things on you to teach you something and to break you and to humble you. And I just stood up for the first time and said, no, that is not God. God is not the author of these problems. And when I did, she took offense. So she pushed back and she got to say, and it is too. God does this. And I just, I wasn't mad I was just trying to stand up for what I knew God had shown me and I wasn't going to back down. And I began to say that that is not God. God doesn't do this. And anyway, because of that, her and I got into it. And when we got through with it, my wife and my sister said, I can't believe you spoke to her that way. This woman that's done so many nice things for you and you didn't show respect. And 
You know what? Maybe I didn't, but I didn't intend it in my heart. What I was doing was just trying to stand for the truths that God had shown me. But regardless, I got condemned. And I got to feeling like, how could I have done this? And like, oh God, I messed up and I sinned. And you know what? Our son got sick. Our oldest son got sick right during that time. And he went for two days. We don't know how high his fever was because we didn't take a thermometer and check it. But it was bad. He didn't move for two days. He didn't eat. He was only, what, eight, ten months old, something like that. And he wasn't moving. He wasn't eating. He was burning up. I was praying and believing God. And it looked like we were being defeated and beat. And I didn't know what to do. And uh, finally, this friend of mine, Marshall Townsley, who's now a pastor in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he was associate pastor with me at the time. He came over to our house and I got to basically crying to Marshall. Marshall, what are we going to do? It looks like, you know, we're losing Joshua. That we prayed. We've done all we know how to do. And you know what he did? He jumped on me like a chicken on a June bug. And he started telling me, you preach faith to everybody else, but you don't walk it yourself. And you know what you are? You're condemned. You think that because you did this, you feel like you deserve what you're getting and that God isn't going to answer your prayer because you did something wrong and you got mad and you didn't show respect. And so God's going to let your son die because you haven't done everything right. And he just rebuked me soundly. I mean, let me have it. And by the time he got home, it was only five minutes from his house to my house, and by the time he got home, his wife Cindy had gotten on his case so bad about the way he had treated me that he turned around and he came back to repent and ask me to forgive him, but it was too late. By the time he got there, Joshua was healed because, you know, it was the truth. And I realized that I had let go of my confidence because I didn't feel worthy. I had done something wrong. And it wasn't that I doubted that God could heal or wanted to heal, but I just felt like I didn't deserve it and that God wasn't going to heal because I hadn't done everything right. Crossed every I and dotted every T, or is that right? Crossed every T and dotted every I. I hadn't done everything just right and that God was going to let it happen. And I had lost my confidence. And I believe that there are some of you that it's the same thing. You know God can heal, but you doubt whether he will do it, especially through you. Here's another example of this. You know, we've seen these miracles. You heard Nikki's testimony. We had Alan and Debbie give a testimony this morning about him being miraculously healed of a stroke. We had a woman this morning right here testify about 20 years ago or something in Shreveport being totally healed of ovarian cancer. You heard... Uh, Melinda give all of these testimonies. We had last night Ashley and Carly give the testimony of their daughter, Hannah. And she's also on this DVD that was miraculously raised up when the doctor said she wouldn't live but just hours. You've heard all of these things. You've heard these testimonies. You say, I believe that. If somebody was to come up here and fall over dead, and if I said, well, I've seen people raised from the dead, I believe God can raise them from the dead. How many of you agree? Most of you would be right in there with me. You believe God can do it. But you know what? If I say, all right, you come up here and pray for him. You know what? What happens? If it's me that's going to pray for him, if it's Melinda, if it's somebody who's been walking in this miraculous power, and if they said, man, most of you would get up here, you'd want to see it. Because you don't doubt that God can do it. But when I say you come up here and pray for him, all of a sudden your faith turns to fear. Your excitement turns to dread. 
and you lose your confidence. You know what's happening? You haven't doubted God. What you're doubting is that you're worthy, that God will use you. You think that you have to earn it, that you have to be good enough for God to use. I want you to know God's never had anybody qualified working for him yet. You aren't going to be the first one. It's not that way. But see, things like this destroy our confidence. And this is what I've been trying to do is to show you that God wants you healed. And he is not demanding that you be holy and perfect before you get healed. It's the grace of God. Now, everything I'm going to teach tonight could be totally taken in a way that counteracts everything I've just said. I hadn't got time to teach on this, and in the name of Jesus, I am not going to spend all night long trying to introduce this. I could because this is misunderstood, but this is what I'm teaching on television now, grace and faith. God, by grace, has already provided everything. You don't have to do something to get God to heal you. He's already done it, but you do have to receive it by faith. Faith is our part. Grace is God's part. God is already moved by grace, but your faith just reaches out and appropriates what God has already done. Tonight, I'm going to talk about faith. I'm going to talk about laws that govern faith. I believe it's Romans chapter 3, verse 27 says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. The scripture talks about a law of faith. And so there are laws that govern faith. This is what I'm going to talk about. And the reason I'm doing this is because if you believe that it's God's will for everyone to be healed, if you believe that healing has been provided in the atonement, well, then the obvious question comes up. Why isn't every person healed? Why don't we see every person healed? And most people can't get beyond that question. If they see a person who is trying to believe for healing, and if they don't see healing, most people are more moved by what they see than they are by what they believe. More, most people live more in the physical, natural world than they do in the spiritual world. And if they can't see it, then they just can't believe it. And what I'm going to do is share with you some things tonight about things that, that faith is governed by law. God does not just sit in heaven and evaluate your situation based on how desperate it is or how holy you are or how strong in faith you are. And when you do everything right, then God releases His power. No, there are laws that govern it. And even though God loves you and God wants to move in your life, I'm going to say some things that it's hard. I don't know exactly how to communicate this, but uh, it's hard for people to understand this. But it'll help you if you can get it. You need to ask the Lord to help you to understand what I'm saying. But God loves you, but God cannot, cannot, will not, does not violate the laws that He created. And there are laws that govern how he works and how healing works and why miracles flow. And you've got to cooperate with them. If you don't cooperate with them, the power of God doesn't flow and it's not personal. It's not God looking at you and saying, you haven't prayed enough, you aren't holy enough, you haven't done this enough. There are just laws that govern how the kingdom of God works. And if you don't understand those laws and if you don't cooperate with them, God wants to set you free. He loves you, but He cannot violate that. 
And this is a new wrinkle in most people's brains because most people think God is God. God could do anything he wants to. That's not true. God is holy. He will never violate his word. Never. Psalms chapter 89, verse 34. He was talking to the Israelites and saying, I have said, you know, that I'm going to punish you because you, did, you broke the covenant. But then he comes right back and he talks about, but I'm still going to extend mercy. And, and after a brief period of time, you're going to come back in and he says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. And in the midst of this, he said that he never violates his word. If God says, like in James chapter 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he, and he will flee from you, then that means if you don't resist, Satan isn't going to flee. God will not resist the devil for you. I talked to, I bet you, half a dozen people tonight, a dozen people this morning, a dozen people last night, and basically I was telling all of them the same thing. They're just like, they're telling me all of their problems and they're doing it in a way like, I'm sorry, I, I just need help. I can't do anything. And I told all of them, I said, first of all, you've bought into a lie to think that you don't have any control over yourself. And they're saying, well, I can't control it. I've got this, this, this. You can control what goes on in your body. And some people think, well, I didn't do anything to make myself sick. I didn't do anything to get cancer. I didn't do anything to do this. You may not have gone out and have sought it. You may not have said, I want it, but you didn't understand the power and the authority that God has given you. If you were to exercise your authority, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, we had a woman call in this week and I just happened to be walking through our phone center and I heard one of my prayer ministers, Travis, talking and... <laughs> I went up to him later and I said, good on you, Travis. I said, that's exactly what I'd have been telling that woman. But anyway, this woman was saying, would you please pray for me? And he says, well, I want you to resist the devil. And she says, oh, I can't. It, I've tried that and it doesn't work. And she was just saying, it doesn't work. And so Travis told her, he says, well, then what's the point in me praying for you if you don't believe that it works? He says, I'm not going to pray for you. And she said, well, I called so that you could pray for him. And he says, why pray if you don't believe that it works? You're telling me that the word doesn't work. You're telling me that Satan is bigger than God. And she was upset because he wouldn't pray with her. And I just told him, I said, good on you, brother. That's exactly what I would have told him. <laughs> but you know what? There's people that are sitting there saying, I'm powerless and oh, I've prayed and it doesn't work. Well, when you tell me that the word doesn't work, you don't want me to pray for you because that's all I know how to do is pray what the word says and stand on it. And yet there's people all of the time, I'm powerless, I can't help them. The doctor says, I've got cancer, what can I do? Well, cancer is nothing. Cancer has no power. You've got more power than cancer if you would stand and resist it. But see, when you think, well, I can't do it. I'm only human. Well, then that's the reason that Satan is beating you up. It's because you don't know who you are. You don't know the power and the authority that God has given you. You know, I'm about to preach this before I get into these verses. Have you found Mark chapter 5 yet? <laughs> if you haven't found Mark chapter 5 by now, just look on with your neighbor. You probably aren't going to get there anytime soon. But look at this. In Mark chapter 5, it says in verse 25, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, 
For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Now seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But when the woman saw that, uh, or, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Man, this is an amazing passage of Scripture. There's a lot in this, and I'm not going to be able to bring all of this out. But one of the things I wanted to point, it, point out is that when she touched him, Jesus felt virtue go out of him. I could preach a whole message on that. You can, the, the power of God is tangible. I'm not going to preach on that though. <laughs> and he turned around and he says, who touched my clothes? And you know, most people, especially theologians, which praise God, I am not a theologian. I have spent my life studying the Bible. And you know what? I know the Bible better than I know anything else, but I am not a theologian. What I mean by that is I didn't take this doctrine and say that God is omniscient, omnipresent, all of these big words, and then go to the Word and try and find something to verify it. I don't have a doctrine that I'm uh, you know, committed to and I'm, I'm trying to get the Word to say it. I have just taken the Word and read it and the Word speaks to me. And if this violates the great theological debates of our day, who cares? I just don't care about all of that. I just want what the Word says. And this said, theologians will sit there and say, of course, God knows all things. So therefore, this is a rhetorical question. Of course, he knew who touched him. I don't believe that. I believe when he said, who touched me, it's because he didn't know who touched him. And theologians have problems with that, but I don't. The Bible says in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus didn't come out of the womb speaking Hebrew. He had to learn how to talk and how to walk. And he was God in the spirit, but his physical body was human. It wasn't sinful, it wasn't defiled, but it was human. And he had to teach himself. And I believe that when he felt this virtue flow out of him, he turned around and he says, who touched me? Because he didn't know who had touched him. That's deep. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that really struggle with this. But to me, that's just, it's not a problem. I believe that when he said, who touched me? He didn't know who had touched him. And here's the reason that's so important to me. Because see, again, most people think that God is in heaven looking at every one of us and when we've prayed enough and when we've done this enough and when we've done this and when we've, we've done everything just right, then God releases his power in response to what we have done. You may not verbalize it that way, but you have an image like that. You think that God is responding to you and that's the reason that if you don't see a healing come to pass, you take it personally like, God, I did everything I knew. What's wrong? Why didn't you release your power? What's going on? You take it personally. You think that God responds to you. 
But here is an instance where a woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment. The power of God flowed out of him and healed her, and he didn't even see who she was. He didn't stamp approved on her request. He didn't look at her and size her up and saying, all right, you've done everything right. It, faith, healing is governed by law. It just worked. It's like the law of electricity. You know, electricity was created when God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't just come up with the idea of electricity a couple of hundred years ago. It was created. Electricity has been on this earth ever since the beginning. People could have been using air conditioning 2,000 years ago. God didn't just create the laws that govern this. It was people didn't understand the laws and therefore they weren't able to put them into practice. But all of these laws have been here since the beginning. The laws that govern cell phones and uh, wireless technology and television and all of these kind of things. Did you know all of those physical laws had been here since the beginning? People could have been watching televisions 5,000 years ago. It wasn't God who just created the laws. It was us that didn't understand the laws and therefore we weren't able to take advantage of this. And it's not because those people were dummies. Like Leonardo da Vinci, in my opinion, you know, is a, is a genius. He, de- he designed helicopters that have been built with modern, uh, chem- uh, modern technology and materials, and they've actually been able to fly helicopters that he designed in, I think it was the 1500s. This guy was way ahead of his time. But you know what? Le- Leonardo da Vinci didn't know what I know about electricity. He didn't know what I know about uh, a lot of different things. What was funny about that? What did you put up there, Carol? So um, anyway, it's not that Leonardo wasn't smart. It was just the fact that he didn't have knowledge about things. And guess what? If you don't understand the laws, they won't work for you. And likewise, this doesn't, it's not a reflection on the fact that you're a bad person or something, but the average person, the average Christian today does not understand that faith is governed by law, that the kingdom of God operates by law. And so they just go to the Lord and they, oh God, I need this, please. And they they look at it like a personal request. And if God really loved me, then he'll just heal me. God cannot just heal you. It has to come through the laws that he created. He has put down laws about how it worked. Now, this woman, whether she understood it or not, put these laws into a practice. Let me just, I could probably name tonight a hundred laws that are involved in healing. And I don't believe that I've got it all figured out because I don't see it work perfectly. So I believe that there's more than what I know. And I hadn't got time to tell you all of that. But let me just point out some of the things right here in this story. It says this woman, when she had heard of Jesus, the scripture says, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to hear the word of God. You and yourself do not have faith for something outside of the natural realm. You have to hear God's word. God's word is like little faith containers. You know, the words that I'm speaking here tonight, The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Every word that you speak, every word that you hear is containing something. If you could picture me just spitting little containers out of my mouth right now, those containers either have life in them or death in them. They either have faith or unbelief in them. 
And only when you hear somebody speaking the truths of God's word can faith come unto you. It doesn't come up out of you naturally. It is not human for you to be able to believe God. Man, I wished I could, I wished I had the words to make this clearer to you, but it is not normal for you to walk in faith. It's normal for you to be lost, to be a fallen human being that is full of doubt and unbelief. That's normal. That's the way you will go if you don't do something to take God's word and put it in your heart. You've got to take God's word. It is not natural for a sinful human being to walk in faith and to believe for things that you can't see. Here's a scriptural terminology for it. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You in your natural self cannot believe God. It takes something supernatural, and that is the entrance of God's Word. So part of this miracle started when somebody came to her and told her what Jesus was doing and the miracles that were happening and that there is a man who claims to be the Messiah. And when somebody spoke the Word to her, did you know that that's where the faith that she was able to use for this miracle came. Jesus told her later down here, he says, daughter, your faith saved you. This wasn't Jesus' faith. There's other people that Jesus prayed for them and got them healed off of his faith. But this woman got healed because of her faith. Where did that faith come from? It came by hearing. She had to hear. And I could, spend all, I could spend all night, I could spend weeks just talking about how important it is to hear the Word of God. And we are listening to so much more negative unbelief than we are faith. There are people that spend an hour a day listening to the Word and think that's something great, and they wash it down with 14 or 15 hours worth of junk and unbelief in the world. And we wonder why it's so hard to receive from God. Every word that you hear is either ministering life or it's ministering death. It was important. This woman heard something from God, truths about what Jesus was doing, and that brought faith to her. So that was an important part of it. She heard of Jesus. And it says in verse 27, When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be healed. Here's another law of God, and I could minister on this for a couple of hours. I do on a regular basis. But Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus was telling about how he cursed the fig tree and how this miracle happened. And he said, Verily I say unto you that whosoever, that means if you're breathing, you're a whosoever. This is anybody. He didn't put any other qualifications. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, that, I mean, saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. The scripture there three times mentions your words. And again, I quote from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of your tongue, your words. Death and life. It didn't just say life. It says death and life. And you know what? There, the average person today does not believe that. If you believed it, I guarantee you, you would talk differently than you do. 
If you believe this, it's not only true that your words have death and life in them, but you know what? Every word that you hear is either death or life. That means the songs that you sing. You know, I know that there's a bunch of good old boys here in Texas that you love your country and Western. And you know what? You may like the type of music, but I guarantee you the words will kill you. I'm sure you've heard this about playing things backwards, back masking. If you play country and Western backwards, your wife comes back, your dog comes back, your pickup comes back. Because that's all that it is. It's just singing about, woe is me and I lost this and all. That stuff is death. It's death. We watch things that show hatred and strife and killing and anger and bitterness and marriages breaking up and things. And it ministers death. It ministers discouragement. It's not ministering life to you. If you really believe that the power and the words, I guarantee you, you would watch what you watch. You would watch what you listen to. You would control it. You wouldn't let people speak death. You would control your environment. You would turn things off. And none of us, I don't believe God wants us to live in a monastery. So you still are going to contact some things and you are going to be exposed to some unbelief. And if you do, you have to condemn it right then. You have to judge it. You have to say something. You have to stop it right then when you hear it. If we really believe the power of our words We wouldn't be listening to the things we're listening to. We wouldn't let other people speak into our lives. We would talk differently. When somebody comes up and says, how are you? Instead of saying, oh, I'm dying. Oh, I'm hurting. Oh, you ought to hear what the doctor said. And you just spew out all of this junk. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You are just releasing death. And you know what you're doing? You're putting laws into motion. Spiritual laws. You'll have what you say. Most people are are saying what they have instead of having what they say. And because you're saying what you have, then you're having what you say. Did anybody get that? <laughs> Most of us are just telling people what we feel and what, by every time you speak it, you are increasing the control and the power of those negative things in your life. You can release life with your words. That doesn't mean that you deny what is happening in the natural. Just don't amplify it. Don't talk about it. Jesus, you know, when they asked him about Lazarus, uh, he says, our friend Lazarus is asleep. And Lazarus had been sick. And so they said, well, if he's asleep, he'll be doing well. He wasn't talking about him being asleep like the way we use it. He was talking about that he was dead. And finally, Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. But I am glad for your sake that I wasn't there to the intent that you might believe. The reason he used the word sleep in the first place is because to people, uh, death is final. It's over. There's nothing more. But to God, death isn't a big deal. He, He can raise people from the dead. He raised multiple people from the dead. It wasn't a thing. So it was actually more accurate to describe death as sleep. So Jesus used the word sleep so that it wouldn't bring all of the fear and the unbelief. But when people misunderstood what he was saying, he says, all right, Lazarus is dead. But he spoke what the truth was. He didn't deny the physical realm, but he just denied it to have dominance. So it's not wrong for you to say, well, I've got a pain, but I believe that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. As long as you counter these natural things with the greater spiritual things, 
it's all right. And, but I would still go out of my way to avoid amplifying and talking about how bad things are. But see, most people don't do that. Most people just speak all of these things and are releasing death. But it's important that you understand the power of words. Jesus said, whosoever shall say, and notice he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain. He didn't say talk to God. This is what most people do. Oh God, please remove my mountain. Oh God, please take this cancer away. Oh God, please do this. That's not doing what he said. He didn't tell you to talk to God about your problem. Involved in that verse is it shows that God has given us power and authority because he told you to speak. Most people are saying, but I can't do anything. This is incurable. What can I do? You don't understand the power of words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can have what you say. He said, you speak to the mountain. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about God. Speak to it and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed. You know, I know many of you have heard me give this testimony, but I like it so much, I'm going to give it again. I'd like to hear it myself. But I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and the lady that I was staying with had watched Nikki's video. And when I came home, she was just sitting there crying. And she says, that's the most awesome testimony I've ever heard. And she says, I've got a friend with the same problems. Would you pray for her? And I said, sure, I'll pray for her. And she says, well, she's on her way. She'll be here in 10 minutes. Long story, but this woman came in. She had had pain for nine years. The doctor said that on a scale of 1 to 10, her pain was a constant 11. The only way she had coped was to tape magnets to her body. And then she had magnets sewn into a blanket and she wrapped herself in it. And somehow this magnetic field affected the pain and that's the only way she was able to cope and she had lived three years longer than the doctor said that she could live and she was just barely alive she came in long story but i ministered to her she was completely healed. first time in nine years that she was pain-free and she stood up and took her blanket off and started moving around and she was pain-free but then she says, I still have a burning right here in my back along the waist. Why do I have a burning? And I said, you didn't tell me you had a burning. I spoke to pain. I didn't speak to burning. So I spoke to burning and commanded it to leave and it left. And then I took Mark eleven twenty three and taught this woman for 20 minutes how to speak. If Satan came back, I said, he knows I believe what I'm praying, but he doesn't know if you believe it. So he's going to come back and knock on the door. And if you have another pain, it doesn't mean you weren't healed. It doesn't mean that you've lost your healing. It's just Satan seeing if you'll open up the door and let him back in. I said, don't let him in. You respond and you speak to the problem. And I taught her, Mark eleven twenty three. I spent about 20 minutes doing that. As she got ready to leave, she put her hand on the doorknob and she stopped and looked back at me and she says, the burning's back. And I said, well, I've been teaching you what to do. So I want you to pray and I'll agree with you. And I grabbed hands with her and you got to remember, 45 minutes before this, this woman was a Presbyterian. She thought that God had put this on her. And I had to counter all of this stuff. So she prayed a pretty good prayer for a woman that had been a Presbyterian 45 minutes before. And she, this is nearly word for word what she said. She says, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. I claim my healing in Jesus' name. By his stripes, I am healed. That's nearly word for word what she said. That is not a good prayer. 
And I know some of you are thinking, well, that's exactly the way I pray. That's the reason you're still sick. (laughs) Those are good things to say. There's nothing wrong with saying those things. And that was an improvement over what she was saying when she came in in the beginning. But she didn't do what the Bible said. She didn't speak and take her authority and command this healing to flow. She talked to God and confessed her faith in God, which is good, but she did not take her authority and speak to the problem. So I said, do you still have any burning? And she says, yes. Why do I have the burning? I said, because you didn't do what I taught you. I said, you didn't talk to the problem. She says, you mean I'm supposed to say stinging in the name of Jesus? And I said, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And so she says, I'll do it. So we joined hands again, and this woman, she said, stinging, and I mean, she got mad, stinging in the name of Jesus, and that's as far as she got, and she says, it's gone. <laughs> and that's been about seven years ago, and she's, she had a few cup, couple of times that the stinging would return, and she just spoke to it, and it's been gone for seven years, and she's totally free of all of that. I mean, it was a tremendous example. So here's two things. You've got to hear the Word. And you not only have to hear the word, but you have to quit hearing things that contradict the word and that are contrary and minister doubt and unbelief to you. You have to learn the power of words. This woman said, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Those are laws that release the power of God. And I know many people aren't sold on this and you think, I don't think it's that important. But if you were to go back and study Genesis, God spoke the worlds into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Light responds to words. Words created light. And so words are the parent force. And whatever was created will respond to the parent force. Words are what created you and me. It's what created everything that we see. God spoke everything into existence. Words are more powerful than any of us have a clue about. And every time you speak out your unbelief, we've been taught in our society today, don't hold it in, just let it out. Don't suppress anything. And we think it's therapeutic to just speak forth all of your doubt and unbelief and all of your fears and tell everybody how bad you feel. You're just killing yourself. You're hung by the tongue. You shouldn't be speaking forth doubt and unbelief. There's certain things you need to bury, that you need to rebuke, you need to resist. You don't need to vent every rotten feeling and emotion that you have. Every time you do that, every time you speak forth your fears and your doubts, you're empowering them. Amen. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. You're, you're, you can believe what you want to, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says. This is one of the laws that she put into motion. She heard the word and so she had faith and she said, I don't believe it was just something that came off the top of her head. This was a statement of this woman's faith. This woman said with her mouth, if I can touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And then you know what another thing was? She touched the hem of his garment. And when Jesus turned around and says, who touched me? His disciples were just shocked. Like you see the multitudes thronging you. If you look the word throng up, it means that they were pressing on him. Everybody was trying to touch Jesus. You know, we have about eight or 900 people in this room tonight. And if there were eight or 900 of you trying to throng me, how would a person just walk up to me and reach over and touch the hem of my trousers? 
There would be no ladylike way to do that if a multitude was thronging me. The reason I bring all this out is to say, you know how I believe that this woman touched the hem of his garment? She was on her hands and knees, elbowing her way through that crowd. And what that says, this woman was committed. She was desperate. She was not going to stay in that situation. You've also got to remember that she had an issue of blood. And I won't take time to turn over there, but in the Jewish culture, in the Bible, it talked about that if a person had an issue of blood, anything or anyone that they touched was unclean. And you had to go through a ceremonial cleansing to get clean from this. If you sat on a saddle, you had to destroy the saddle or go through a ritual to clean it. And it was, it was a terrible, terrible thing. And so much so that per people that had an issue of blood had to yell, unclean, anytime they entered into a group. And people would spread out. And if they didn't yell, unclean, they could be uh, stoned to death and killed because it was a terrible thing in that society. So for this woman to be pushing through this crowd, touching people with an issue of blood, if she identified herself and told what had happened to her, those people could have killed her. This was life-threatening to her. This woman didn't just try it. You know, there are people that come to meetings today and if they don't have air conditioning or if they don't have a padded seat or if they don't have this, they just can't stand. And you know what? This, one of the laws that releases the power of God is you've got to be committed to something. You've got to be to the point. Here's another way of saying, Pastor Bob Nichols, I got this from him and I've applied it to a million different things. But you could say it this way, as long as you can live with sickness, you will. But when you reach a place to where I will not live this way, it's over. I'll die first, but I will not live this way. I am not going to live this way. As long as you, when you get to where you can't stand it anymore, you know what? You'll start seeing the power of God release. But as long as you could live without what you believe for, you will. That's one of the reasons that I enjoy praying for people when the doctors have given up. Because you know what? As long as they can cope, as long as they can struggle through. People aren't just totally committed. But when the doctors give up on them, you know, it's like, well, praise God, they don't have their faith spread out, diluted anymore. they now focused on the Lord. That's the only hope that they've got. And now they can commit themselves 100% to just believing God. That helps you. So this woman, she heard. This woman spoke and took the power of words and confessed. She was determined. She put her life on the line and she was not going to take no for an answer. This woman was believing God. Those are things that are absolutely essential. And there's lots of other things. But you can see just a few of these laws. You know, look over at this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 45. You need to look this up in your Bible. You wouldn't believe this is in the Bible if you don't read it. This is a radical statement. Isaiah chapter 45 and in verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. <laughs> Boy, now what does this mean? Command ye me. 
I'd say that the average person thinks, well, I'm nobody to be commanding God. I can't command or demand anything of God. What in the world does this mean? It doesn't mean that you're commanding God in the sense that you're greater in power or authority or that God has to obey you. But this is the way that, you know, we command electricity. If you want the lights on in this place, you can't call the electric company and say, we've got hundreds of people coming tonight. Would you please turn on the electricity? No, they generate the power. They put it into this building. But if you want the lights on, you go flip the switch. And in a sense, you are commanding it. You are turning it on. It's at your command. And you can call the electric company all you want to and beg them to turn on the electricity, but they won't do it. They generate the power, but then it's at your command. And you flip the switch. And when you flip that switch, you command that power. And see, we now have been given the power of God. It is at our command. And yet most Christians don't understand this. They think, oh God, they're calling God. No, God, please turn on the power. Oh God, please release your power. Oh God, please heal me. God, please touch my body. Oh God, please move. And you're desperate and you're sincere and you are in a crisis situation and the need is all there and all of those things are true. But God is not going to flip the switch for you. He gave you power over all the uh, force of the enemy, over all sickness, over all disease. Matthew chapter 10. He told you, Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, you heal the sick. You cleanse the lepers. You raise the dead. And somebody said, well, I can't do that. I don't have any power. Yes, you do. If you are born again, you have the supernatural power of Jesus living on the inside of you. John, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, 18 and 19 says that you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. It's not out there somewhere. We don't have to pray God's power down. It's already down. People, you'll hear people quote from Isaiah chapter, I think it's 64 or 60 something. And it says, rend the heavens and come down. You'll hear people pray that. But what's wrong with that is God rent the heavens and he came down. And now he lives on the inside of you. And you'll hear people talk about there's demonic powers that are blocking our prayers from getting up to heaven. And we got to clear a hole in the heavens so that our prayers can get through to God. You don't need your prayers to get through the demonic powers in the heavens. In Daniel chapter 9, they did that because that was an Old Testament deal before Jesus rent the heavens and came down and God was out there and we were here. But now God lives on the inside of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You don't need your prayers to get through the heavens and past the demons. You don't need to get your prayers above the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. God's here. That's the reason you bow your head when you pray. So you can say, Father, amen. God's here. But see, we don't believe this. And so, oh, my prayers didn't get above the ceiling. The devil's blocking my prayers from getting through to God. That kind of thinking, it's just, it's like a disconnect. It keeps the power from flowing because you don't believe what God said. We pray prayers like, oh God, just go with us as we leave this place and be with us this way. How's God going to answer a stupid prayer like that? Somebody, well, what's wrong with that? He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
and yet we're praying, go with us. How's God going to answer a prayer where he said, I'll never leave you, and yet you're asking him not to leave you? You know what that is? It's unbelief. It's unbelief. You can whitewash it any way you want to, but unbelief is like an insulator. The reason you put rubber around a, a electrical wire is because it insulates. Electricity doesn't flow through rubber, so you can take a live wire. Anytime you plug your vacuum cleaner into the wall and you're holding on to the plug, did you know electricity is flowing through that? But it won't shock you because it's insulated by that rubber that's around it. Rubber doesn't conduct electricity. Unbelief doesn't conduct the power of God. So every time you say, oh God, please heal me, I can't do anything. That unbelief stops the healing power of God from flowing because God said that he gave you power over all of the force of the enemy. You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He told you to speak to your problem and every time you say, God, I can't do anything. The doctor says, I'm gonna die. Oh God, we're just looking to you because we can't do anything. That unbelief stops the power of God from flowing. And you know, if they're laws, that means they're consistent. You know, if it was, if it was a law here, here's my Bible, and if, if gravity worked here so that if I dropped this Bible, it falls to the ground, but if it didn't work in Europe, then it wouldn't be a law. It'd be a phenomenon. If it's a law, it means it's universal. It means it works all of the time and it's consistent. You know what? Right now I'm so strong, I'm holding my Bible up. I'm defying gravity. It's not falling to the ground. But you know what? Gravity's pulling on this Bible and it's consistent and it will never quit. And you know what? It would eventually win this war. I might hold this thing up an hour. I might hold it up two hours. I might do something. But you know what? Eventually... That little pull of gravity will beat me because it's consistent. It never quits. It's always there. It's a law. It's constant. And it never fluctuates. And the laws of God are constant. They don't fluctuate. God said, you have to hear. Most of us are hearing the wrong things. We aren't hearing faith and so we don't have much faith because we aren't listening to the word much and we're violating that law. We're speaking our fears instead of speaking our faith. We're listening to other people speak doubt and unbelief. We're violating that law. Most of us are tolerating things in our life that we shouldn't be tolerating. We aren't totally committed. We aren't absolutely sold out to stuff. We're violating that law. And all of these things just insulate us so that the power of God doesn't flow. And then we say, God, why didn't you move? That's just as crazy as looking at the electric company and wondering why they didn't turn on the power. You, had, you told them how bad your situation was. You told them what your needs were. You justified it. It's a valid need. Why didn't they release the power? The truth is they have released the power. You just didn't take it and command it. You didn't release it. You didn't use what you had. Likewise, we aren't releasing the power of God. We're asking God to do what he told us to do. The electric company is not going to send somebody out here to flip your light switch. They generate the power, but you have to flip the switch. God is not going to do it for you. He told you to resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, Nikki was believing that God could heal, wanted her healed, but the thing that I helped provide was just to show them that God had already done it and if she would get mad and just stand up and she mentioned it, she didn't go into great detail, but I mean, she got mad. 
She got mad at this sickness. She refused to be that way. I mean, she got angry. And when she did, you know what? That was the thing that sent her over the top. That's the thing that released the faith. And the healing had been there all along. Brothers and sisters, God's already done everything. He's generated the power, but we don't know how to work it. We don't know how to cooperate with God. You know, I've been shocked by electricity so badly that it, I've nearly been killed. I've been knocked off ladders and because of it. I would call it a healthy respect. It's more like a uh, petrified fear is what it really is of electricity. I just don't mess with electricity much. I mean, if I want to work on the electricity, I go chop the telephone pole down behind the house, amen, and cut the wires. That's the way I work on electricity. But one time I was redoing a bathroom and we had pulled out the sink and everything and there was water on the floor and I was going to go try and rewire some stuff and a man came in, was talking to me and he says, well, you don't have to turn off the electricity. I said, well, there's water on the floor. These are live wires. And he says, electricity... He says, it's not weird if you know what, what, how the laws that govern electricity, you don't have to turn off the electricity. And this guy stood in water and with bare hands grabbed these wires and wired my thing for me and didn't get bothered, didn't shock him, didn't do anything because he knew what he was doing. See, I don't know those things and I, I just don't do stuff like that. It's crazy. But if you know what you're doing, electricity is predictable. Electricity isn't weird. It follows laws. And those laws allow you to use it and they will also prevent you from using it if you don't know what those laws are. Like you might think that copper wiring is just too expensive. It's gotten really expensive. And it would be easier to just wire your house with string. It's a lot cheaper and it bends. And man... String is cheaper. Why don't you just wire your house with string? It's a lot more convenient. It doesn't matter what you think and how convenient it is. Electricity doesn't flow through string the same way it flows through copper wire. You have to figure out what the laws are and just cooperate with them. You can't invent them. And yet there's a lot of people that in the spiritual realm, well, I, I don't know about all this confession and speaking the word and hearing. I, I don't, that's not convenient. That doesn't fit into my lifestyle. And so I just believe I'm going to get it this way. Well, you can, do, you can wire your house however you want to, but unless you figure out the laws and cooperate with it, the power is not going to flow. And there are some of you that you've just decided that you don't have to do all of these things and you don't have to be committed to God and you don't have to speak the word and you really like all of these songs about the Wichita lineman being on the line and falling off the bar stool and you love those things and so you just believe you can still do this and, and walk in the power of God and you can believe whatever you want to but I'm telling you that there are laws that govern how the power of God flows and every time you fill yourself with the doubt and the unbelief of this world you are insulating your life from the power of God and keeping it from flowing. It's not that God looks at you and says you haven't been holy and you haven't been listening to religious songs all day, and so I'm not going to bless you. It's not like that at all. God loves you. God doesn't care how carnal you are. He still loves you. Amen? God's not mad at you. But you need to get your heart sensitive to God. You need to keep yourself in tune with God, and that takes some effort. 
Amen? Your faith isn't making God move. God has already generated the power. He's provided everything that you need. But your faith is going to be dependent upon how much you seek the Lord and whether you turn off the unbelief and whether you listen to the Word and things like this. And so there are laws that govern things. And you know what? As much as God loves you, He's not just going to suspend His laws for you. Some of you think, well, if He really loved me, He'd do it. No. God, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that God upholds all things by the word of His power. He created everything by words. He holds it together by words. If God was to violate His word, the universe would self-destruct. He upholds. He holds everything together by the power that's in His word. If He ever broke His promise... He and the universe, you and I, everything would self-destruct. It's held together by the power of His Word. He cannot lie. He will not lie. You know, if somebody was about to fall off a 10-story building, God created a law of gravity. And that law that God created for our good. Like right now, you are sitting in that chair and you aren't having to work to sit in that chair. Gravity's holding you there. We don't have to provide seat belts and hold you down. We don't have to bolt the seats to the floor because gravity is working and we depend on it. God meant it for our good. It's how you drive a car. It's what keeps it from flying off the road when you go around a corner is gravity. Gravity is something that we use. It's a law that God created. But did you know that that law kills people if they don't cooperate? If you walk off a 10-story building, that same law that God intended for your good will kill you. And even though God loves you, He's not going to stop the law of gravity to save your life and let a million people on the roads in Dallas-Fort Worth die because all of a sudden gravity was suspended because He wanted to protect this person over here who had violated that law. No, they're laws and they're constant and they don't change. And even though it kills people, it was never intended to kill people, but ignorance of the laws going contrary to the laws will actually kill you. And did you know, you may sit there and you may say, well, I've never heard about this saying, death and life being in the power of the tongue. It doesn't matter if you've heard about it or not, it'll kill you if you aren't using it properly. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A person could go up and pick up a live wire and if they're grounded... Did you know it's not personal? The electric company doesn't send electricity out there to kill them just to teach them a lesson and to make an example out of them. There's nothing personal to it, but you know what? It'll kill that person because they violated the laws. And you may not mean anything personal by it, but you know what? If you are sitting here saying, oh man, I feel so bad, I feel like I'm dying. You're thinking about your funeral. You're talking about what they're going to sing at your funeral. You're planning what's going to happen to your kids when you're gone. And you're talking like that. You may not know it, but you're releasing death. You're killing yourself. It's a law of God. And you've just got to figure out that it's... It's not up to God just to move if He wills. It, God wills for you to be well. But there are laws that govern it. And brothers and sisters, we've got to learn what they are. That's the way it works. You know, Jamie and I had a real good friend. One of Jamie's very best friends that she had 
was a girl that I, I liked. I was dating her, and when I was in Vietnam, her parents told the Red Cross that we were engaged and got me to come home. I, we weren't officially engaged, but they said we were. And I came home, and I was with her when she died of leukemia and strangled on her own blood. And we believed for two days for her to be raised from the dead. We had four people at her funeral in Arlington, Texas, call her back from the dead. She stood in a James Robinson crusade in front of 10,000 people and testified that God was going to raise her up. And we believed for her to be well, and she died. And you know what? I didn't understand what was going on because, man, we believed with everything. We, as she was dying, we were saying, man, this is it. It's got to be now. And we were rejoicing and we weren't afraid of death and we were praising God and we did everything we knew how to do. And yet she died. And everybody else involved in this said that, well, it must not be God's will because she was really a godly person and she really loved God. And if anybody ever believed, it was Debbie. And so we were just convinced that, you know, that it must not be God's will to heal. And, and that most of the people involved in that, Joe was involved in this, and Joe got a bad rap because he stood up and said that it wasn't God that killed her. And boy, people just persecuted him mercilessly over that. And you know what? People quit believing that it was God's will because something like that happened. And I didn't understand, but I said, I know God didn't kill this girl. That was not God's will. And I said, I don't know what the deal is. And I remember the parents of this girl talking to me. So are you saying that God isn't in control? And I said, I don't know what I'm saying. I just know that God didn't kill her. Well, are you saying, well, God's will always comes. I said, I don't know the theological things. I'm just telling you, God didn't kill this girl. And there was a division and there was a lot of persecution. And you know what? It took me three years before I began to understand what happened. But, and I'll make this story very short. I listened to a man teach that Satan is God's messenger boy. Satan can't do anything to you unless he gets permission from God, which is not true. And because of that, he had a tape entitled Satan is God's Messenger Boy. Actually, it was a real, real uh, tape. This was back before they had cassettes. I brought this home. I gave it to that girl. She listened to it. And on there, there was a testimony about a, a boy who was so shy that he couldn't witness. And yet he wanted to be a witness for the Lord. And so he prayed. And he says, God, if you have to, give me cancer so that I could show people that I'm not afraid to die and I could be a witness and a testimony for you. And the next day, he got leukemia. And he wound up being a strong testimony to his, testi uh, to his football buddies. He died, and at his funeral, four people were born again. And that was on this teaching that I gave this girl. She listened to that, and she prayed the same prayer and asked God to give her cancer. And the next morning, she came down with leukemia. And so, here's one of the things that we did wrong. We thought that God used sickness and disease to glorify himself instead of it being the devil. And they, we opened up a door to the devil. We, in, we asked God to give her cancer. That's stupid. That's stupid. We opened up the door. Cancer came in. And then we prayed, if it be your will. You know, if we were really going to be consistent, if you ask God to give you a cancer, then don't ask him to take it away. That's double-minded. But then we started asking him to take it away and waiting on God instead of taking our authority and speaking to it. 
And we did a million things wrong. We didn't understand about faith. We didn't know about confession. We didn't know anything in any way. We got beat because we just literally opened up a door to the devil, and it wasn't God. And when my point in saying all of this is that, you know what, I didn't understand those things, but I just knew that God doesn't kill people like this. I found out why it was that we didn't see the healing come to pass. And because I didn't just give up on God, and I, I came to realize the laws that govern this, our next-door neighbor in Lamar, Colorado, had cancer. She was a 60-something-year-old woman. She had leukemia, the exact same thing. And because I learned the truth, I was able to minister to her and see her healed of leukemia and totally set free from it. And I've seen a lot of people set free because I figured out that it wasn't God who failed. It's me that didn't understand. And I just kept proclaiming that it is God's will. And I've learned a lot. I haven't learned it all. I still don't understand there's still things that happen that I don't understand. I'm not saying I got it figured out, but I figured out more than I used to, and I'm seeing better results than I used to know, and I haven't got it all figured out, but I know I'm moving in the right direction. I hadn't arrived, but I've left. And I'm telling you that God has established laws. God has already done everything for you. It's not God who hasn't released His healing power. It's us, and I'm saying this in love. Please don't take offense, but it's us who are so dull and dumb and insensitive, and we haven't renewed our mind. We spend more time sitting in front of a TV watching as the stomach turns than we do reading the Word of God, and we don't know what the Word of God says, and then we are upset at God as to why things aren't working better. That's just like people sitting down saying, why don't we have electricity? And you pray for it. It's people that are praying over bare ground and saying, God, why don't I have a crop yet? And have you planted anything? And we're just thinking that prayer is going to get it. God, I believe in you that I'm getting this and I'm getting that. Can you show me a scripture that you're standing on? Have you renewed your mind? Do you have any promises? Have you figured out what the word says? I know that this isn't, something that most people like because it puts responsibility on us and we like to just be able to live carnal and, and sit on the couch and just indulge our flesh and our emotions and watch things that are detrimental and then just run to God when you're in trouble. And that's, that's a better way. You can be carnal and do it that way. I'm saying it takes some effort on your part to renew your mind, to get into the Word of God. But what I'm telling you is the truth. And it'll help you. God loves you and God has provided healing. If you aren't healed, it's not because God hasn't moved. It's because we haven't moved. It's because we aren't understanding and taking advantage. And, and praise God, we've got to renew our mind. That's part of what we're doing with this seminar is trying to teach you these things. Just like that woman reached out and touched the power of God and boom, the power flowed before Jesus even had time to size her up and say, okay, I'll release my power. No, there's laws that govern how the power of God flows. And if the power of God isn't flowing, it's because you're doing something that has insulated you that isn't conducting the power of God. And you've got to change it and get yourself to where, praise God, you can be a good conductor of God's power. Amen? That's tight, but it's right. And it's meant to help you, not to hurt you. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know what, we could preach something else, get you all excited and emotional, but this will help you if you receive it. It'll help you. This has changed my life. I've had to grope with these things and deal with it, and praise God, it's helped. 
You know, tonight, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, this is one of the laws that you need to put into practice is that before you can start releasing this supernatural power of God, you have to receive the source of that power, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to have a personal relationship with Him. You can't just know about Him. You can't depend upon somebody else. You can't depend on the fact that you were born in a quote-unquote Christian nation. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Everybody has to have their own personal relationship. You can't ride on somebody else's faith. You need to know Jesus personally. If you don't know him, you need to be born again. And then once you get born again, Jesus told his disciples, don't go tell anybody, don't minister, don't do anything without receiving power from on high. And today we have lots of people who've gotten born again, but they haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you're talking about... You know, the things that I've talked about tonight, you can't do this in your own ability. It's like that verse I quoted earlier, 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. You have to have a supernatural quickening by the Holy Spirit to operate in this. You'll lose what I've talked about tonight if you don't have the Holy Spirit to bring it back. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual understanding. The Holy Spirit is the single most important element in you walking in the miraculous power of God. So even if you've been born again, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which there's confusion on that, and some people think, well, I I got that when I got saved. I hadn't got time to teach on this, but if you don't speak in tongues you ought to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Some of you are thinking, well, now they don't preach that in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. (laughs) I preach that. Jonah came over to my house and helped me speak in tongues. That man right there was used of God to get me speaking in tongues. And you know what? I tell you, it changed my life. You wouldn't have ever seen me on television if I hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I was an introvert that couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to them. Man, the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life. I'm telling you, you need it. We've had, I don't know, well over 100 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit last night and this morning. And I know that there's new people here tonight. And if you don't have this gift of speaking in tongues, you need to receive it. Is there anybody here who would say, that's me and I want prayer. I want to receive either salvation and or the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you so that you can receive. Here's somebody back here. Anybody else? Here's others. Praise God. Some of you are putting your hands up slow. Somebody's saying, aren't you going to have everybody bow their head and close their eyes? Why? I'm not asking you to get the plague. Man, I'm asking you to come receive gifts from God. If I was to say, does anybody here want a million dollars? Would you have to have everybody bow your head and close your eyes? This is better than a million dollars. Man, you shouldn't be ashamed of this. Somebody says, well, what are you going to do to me? Nothing. We're just going to pray with you and I'm going to give you a free book. What a deal. You got nothing to lose. You got everything to gain. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you get up out of your seat and just come forward? We want to pray with you and help you to receive. Just come forward right now and let us pray with you. Here's a man that's ready to receive. You know, Andrew, I'm going to be listening to this message. 
Amen. Isn't this great? I tell you what, this is going to change your life. This is going to change your life. I believe that. You're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you first of all need to be born again. And you know, some people think, well, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. The Bible says that even the devils believe and tremble at the name of Jesus, but they aren't born again because they never turned their life over to him. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that you have to make Jesus your Lord. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead and then you shall be saved. It doesn't mean that you're going to say that I'll never do anything wrong. I'll be perfect because you can't keep that promise. But you have to be willing to turn your life over to him and give him your life and put your trust in him. Is there anybody here who has never done that and you would like to do that tonight? You've got to do this first before you get born again. You can't receive the, I mean, excuse me, until, before you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't receive the gift until you receive the giver. Is there anybody here who isn't absolutely sure about whether you've made Jesus your personal Lord and you need to pray about that first? Anybody? Anyone? Are you all sure? Everybody sure? I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. Amen. So everybody here is already born again. Well, then, you know, according to the scripture, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what God created you for. So you don't have to beg God. This is what God made you for. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit more than you want to be filled. I promise you that. He's been waiting on this night. He wants to give you power. This is going to change your life. And so we don't have to beg God. There are some people who teach that you got to have all sin out of your life and you can't have any problems. And if there's anything wrong, God won't fill a dirty vessel. I want you to know God hadn't got any other kind of vessel to fill. If you got a problem, that's, that means you qualify. The reason God gives you the Holy Spirit is so you can have power. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you have problems in your life, that's not going to keep God from giving. God wants to give every one of you the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we aren't going to beg. We're just going to ask one time for God to give you the Holy Spirit and trust that he wants to give it more than you want to receive. And then I've got our prayer ministers. I'd like to ask them to come up here and what they're going to do. They're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was released into people's lives through the laying on of hands. So all of these people that will be coming up behind you and are going to lay hands on you, they're people who are already born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they are going to release this power into you. So we're going to ask. They're going to lay hands on you and release this anointing of God into your life. And then I want you to quit asking God to give you the Holy Spirit. There's a time to ask and there's a time to believe. And so after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking and start thanking God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what you feel like, 
Don't go by feeling. Go by faith. Go by the promise. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You're asking, and He's good, and He promised you that He'd give you the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to ask and believe. And so I want you to quit asking and believe and thanking that He gave you the Holy Spirit regardless what you feel like. At that time, after we lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. I yield. Man, this is the way of yielding to God. So we're going to pray. They're going to lay hands on you. You're going to start thanking God. And then the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that when you pray in tongues, you are giving thanks. So we are going to start thanking God by speaking in tongues and worshiping Him in a language that comes out of our spirit. And when we start speaking in tongues, I want you to start speaking with us. And you, you might think, well, I don't know what to say. Well, if you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you say. But you know what? It'll come out different. Your tongue will be unique. It's not going to be the same. Joe did this exact same thing to me. He came to my house and I'd been trying for three years to speak in tongues. And he says, repeat after me. And I said, Joe, I don't want your tongue. I want my own tongue. And he just wouldn't leave me alone. And he said, you pray after me. And so I tried and I couldn't say what he was saying. And I said, that wasn't what you said. And he says, but it wasn't English, was it? And I said, that's not tongues. And anyway, he says, you're impossible. And he left. <laughs> but you know what? It, it broke a barrier. It broke a barrier when I finally just started saying something that didn't make any sense to me. And my pride was, was gone. And I humbled myself. And I just started, after he left, I started speaking in tongues. And within moments... I was speaking in multiple languages. And you know what? You'll get fluent in this after a while. But when you first start, this is going to be strange to you. And some of you will be sitting there analyzing this with your head. You aren't praying with your head. You're praying with your heart. And it's just like a little baby. When they start speaking, they don't speak good English. They may say, mama, dad, dad. And it may not be really saying the right thing. But you know what? That parent knows what that kid's trying to say. And they are thrilled. And when you first speak in tongues, it may not make any sense to you, but you know what? God is listening and he is thrilled that you are communicating from your born again spirit, not your head. So don't worry about what it sounds like. We're going to pray and I believe that you are going to be able to speak in tongues with us. Isn't that good? Yes. All right. Everybody understand what we're going to do? Yes. The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. They're all born again. Thank you, Jesus, that they've already received you. And according to the word, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now we open up the doors of this temple. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come in and fill us. Come into our lives and give us power. Father, give us these gifts of speaking in tongues and faith and all of the other gifts of the Spirit. We want your power in our life. And so we open up the doors right now. We lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We loose this power and this anointing to flow into your life right now. And Father, we thank you that from this moment forth, the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit is coming upon all of these people in the name of Jesus. 
Boy, here is the power and the anointing of Jesus flowing into your life. Father, we agree and we receive it. Now let's put those hands up. Start thanking God. Thank God. You can start in English if you want to, but thank God that His Word is true and that you just got filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you that from this time forth, the Holy Spirit indwells me and that I have power in my life. Father, I thank you for this. Those of you that know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now and let's worship the Lord. Give thanks by speaking in tongues. And those of you that came forward now, quit speaking in English and go to speaking in tongues. Say something that is not coming out of your mind, but coming out of your heart. If you don't know what to say, try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But yours will be different. And once you start, don't quit. Keep talking. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just talk out loud. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open up your mouth. You can't talk in tongues in English at the same time. Man, speak right now. Many, many, many of these are speaking in tongues. Talk out loud. You can do this. There's the power of God all over you. There's the anointing of Jesus coming on your life. Sister, you're getting a baptism of love. The love of God is flowing in your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you. Father, thank you. Let me interrupt you here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what? You need to understand what is taking place right now. And many of you, you may have felt the presence of God, and that's wonderful if you did, but you know, this is much more than a feeling. And even if you don't feel the presence of God, you are still going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand what has happened to you. This is actually potentially the most important thing that has happened to you since you've been born again. This has the power to just transform your life, but only if you understand it. And so I've written a book that is all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it'll explain things to you. When I first prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it took me three and a half years to speak in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist. And it, I had a lot of wrong thinking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I've written this book to help explain these things. And I promise you, there's been thousands of people that have spoken in tongues after reading this book. And I get tremendous testimonies about how it's changing people's lives. So we would like to give you this book. We want you to get the full benefit. There's more that happened to you than what you know right now. You'll spend the rest of your life learning how to respond to the Holy Spirit and take full advantage of what God has done. So we've got Ashley right here, the man in the brown suit. Is that brown? Uh-huh. And uh, he, he's going to give you a book if you would just go with him for a moment. Also, they've got people that will pray with you. They'll answer your questions. If you need a healing or anything, there's people that will minister to you. And we got a room right out here. So just follow Ashley right down this uh, row, and we will get you this book. Amen.
Let's praise God for all of these. Hallelujah. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, I believe this is going to change your life. Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe this lady is getting healed of deafness. You know, I, that reminds me. Well, you go ahead to the room. We were over at um, Dallas, and this is when my meetings were smaller and I had time to talk to every person. But we were at a meeting in Dallas, and there was a woman standing over there, came forward for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I noticed somebody was giving her sign language, and I just went over and I said, You know what? You need to be healed. That would help you a lot. We prayed for her, and her ears were instantly opened up. She was like 30 years old, had never heard. And, uh, man, the meeting was on. We saw some great things happen. And I believe that God's healing that lady here tonight, too. Praise God. These are our prayer ministers. These are all friends of mine. Bruce and uh, Mary Norman are ministers. They've been pastoring in Dallas. I think they're retired. Anyway, you don't have a church at the moment, but they've been powerful people, seen a lot of people healed. A lot of these Bible college students, uh, all of them have been through a training with Melinda, and they all are ready to pray a prayer of faith. And I'd just like to encourage you that if you need healing tonight, you know, if your faith has been quickened, Here's another law that I didn't talk about, but if any two of you on the earth agree as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done. You can multiply the effectiveness. You can increase the current that is flowing through you by agreeing with people. And if you would like agreement tonight for your healing, I want to invite you to come forward and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you and agree with you. I won't be able to pray with all of you, but these people, we can pray with you. We can give you the time that you need, and we believe God for great miracles. So if you want prayer, I want you to come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you, and we're going to believe God for miracles. The rest of you, let's wait just a moment. Let them get out into the aisles, and then I'll dismiss you. Last night, I was operating in the gifts of the Spirit and praying with people as People came forward, and we saw a lot of people. We saw two or three dozen people miraculously healed, and pains left people, and all kinds of things happened. And so, praise God! You're welcome to stay and pray with us if you if you need to go, if you desire to go. You're free. Don't forget that we have CDs and DVDs of the first three messages. That's last night, this morning, and tonight. They're already duplicated out here. And you can get those as you leave. Thanks for coming. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 in the morning. And tomorrow night, it's going to be at 6 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. And that will be our last service here at this hotel. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just agree with all of these and we thank you, Father, that by your stripes, we have already been healed. We believe that you've already generated the power and put it on the inside of us. And right now we release it by faith. We release your anointing right now to flow through these people in Jesus' name. We command sickness and disease to be gone. 
We loose this anointing, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing our sickness, carrying our diseases. Thank you that every one of these people has already been healed. And we release that anointing and receive this healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Somebody here was unable to move your arm. I don't know what was wrong, but you had problems straightening out your arm, bending it like this. You got problems here. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you right now. If that's you, if you were having problems with your arm, I want you to stand and wave at me so I can see who this is. Here's a person over here. Somebody else? Anybody else? I want to see who I'm praying for. I want you to take a step of faith and say, that's me. Father, I pray for the. Here's another one back here. Stand up. Would you? Would you mind standing up? I want to see who this is. Anybody else? Father, I pray for these two right now in the name of Jesus and whatever was wrong with this arm, I release your anointing. Father, through this word of knowledge, I say in the name of Jesus that this problem is healed. Whatever damage has been done to this arm, be healed now in Jesus' name. We speak to the problem and command that problem to be gone, to be cast into the sea. And Father, we believe that your power is flowing in them right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Begin to move your arm like you weren't able to do before. Okay? Move that arm in the name of Jesus. I believe that the power of God is working in you and you are getting free. Did you have any pain before we prayed? How do you feel? You got any pain? The pain's all gone. Isn't that a miracle? Right there's a miracle. This pain totally left her. Isn't that great? How about you? Did you have pain before we prayed? I can't hear you. Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Are you doing good? She's doing good. Amen. Isn't that great? That's a miracle. Some people think, well, man, I didn't see anything. You old carnal thing. That's the power of God. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I believe that these ladies were healed. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we receive this. We thank you, Father, for your healing power. And we just receive all of these healings now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, here's somebody being healed of deafness. I don't know if that lady that uh, was down here is in here or not, but there's somebody in here that's being healed of deafness. It may not be a total deafness. It might be partial deafness. Who in here has got problems with deafness, hard hearing? Right here, anybody else? If that's you, I want you to stand. Here's a couple of more. If you've got hearing problems, I want you to stand and raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. And I believe here's the healing power of God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release your anointing towards all of these. In deafness, we curse you right now and command you to get out of their bodies. You spirit of deafness, loose them and let them go now in Jesus' name. Amen. Right there is deliverance. Now, Father, we loose your anointing to flow into their ears and whatever caused their hearing problem, we believe that they are healed right now. We believe that the volume is coming up. 
that whatever the problem in their ears is over, that Father, your anointing is recovering them. Ears be healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you tell any difference in your ears? A little bit? Anybody else? Can you tell any difference in your ears? <laughs> Anybody else? Can you tell a difference? You know what? Whether you felt it or not, I believe that the power of God flowed. And from this moment on, your ears are recovering. I believe some of you are going to see instant hearing difference. How are you? Is your hearing good? Did your ears open up? That left ear just opened up. Isn't that awesome? How long have you had this problem? Two months. And man, after two months of not hearing or hearing well out of that ear, it just opened up. Isn't that the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe all of you are healed. Somebody else get their ears open? Praise the Lord. That's awesome, brother. Praise God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Doctors can't do that. That's Jesus. That's the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and we receive this. Thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody here had your hand crushed. Something happened that crushed your hand and you've had problems. I don't know if it has been recent. Maybe it didn't heal right or something, but somebody's got problems because your hand was crushed. Who's that? I want you to stand up and identify yourself. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you. Where are you? Stand up and wave so I can see you. I know you're here. I know this isn't for somebody who's gone. Is that you? How come you're so slow? It happened a long time ago. Did you know I called out a healing somebody that had had their chest crushed and nobody responded. And I just kept talking and kept talking. And finally, a woman said that when she was a little kid, a horse kicked her and crushed her chest. And she had always had problems for 30 or 40 years. And it was so normal, she hadn't thought about it. But when nobody else responded, she said it was her. And so I had her stand up and prayed. And instantly, she was set free from this pressure and this problem that she had had for 30 or 40 years. Amen. I don't know how long you've had it, but brother, I believe your hand is getting healed. In the name of Jesus, I just release the anointing of God. And Father, whatever happened to this hand, in Jesus' name, we release your supernatural anointing. Right there, brother, is the anointing of Jesus flowing into this hand. And Father, I thank you for fixing this, that his hand is not going to have any pain or any lack of movement. Any more problems, we release a supernatural anointing in him and thank you that this hand is healed from this moment on in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Here's a bunch of people being healed of sinus problems, things that are way up here in your hand, head. Who's that? People that are having sinus problems. I want you to stand. Here's an anointing of God flowing towards you right now. If you've been having sinus problems, I want you to stand. Raise your hand. We're going to pray. And I believe God is opening your sinuses right now. I believe sinus headaches are a thing of the past. 
Nasal drainage is a thing of the past. Father, we loose your anointing right now. And I curse these things. I command whatever is causing this, an infection or allergies or whatever it is, we rebuke you and command you to stop in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for clearing up those sinuses. Right now, miracle sinuses clear up in Jesus' name. Open up in the name of Jesus. Command pressure to be gone, pain to be gone, headaches to be gone, all kinds of problems. We release you. We loose you from this in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that now your anointing is entering into them to restore damage that's been done unto them. Some of you in here have had problems breathing, especially at night when you lay down. It's like all of this stuff goes up into your head. It's over. You don't even know it right now, but when you go to bed, you aren't going to have those problems anymore. This drainage is over. Your sinuses are healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. I want you to start thanking God right now and believe that the healing power of God is in you, that this problem is over. Father, we thank you and believe that we are healed. We aren't having these problems anymore in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. There's somebody here that's had problems in both of your, your shoulders. Both shoulders. It's hard for you to raise them because of pain in your shoulders. If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hands. Here's the healing power of God coming. Father, in Jesus' name, I release this anointing towards them right now. And we command this pain, whatever causes that, any damage done under their shoulders, rotator cuffs, whatever it is, we command you to be gone in Jesus' name. Pain, you stop. Arms, you be healed. Shoulders, be healed now in the name of Jesus. Some of you are healed of arthritis right there, but you know, there's other people that maybe your arthritis isn't in your shoulders, but you've had arthritis in your body. I want you to stand. Here's the power of God flowing towards you. If you've been having arthritis, here's the healing power of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we just speak against arthritis. Arthritis, loose them and let them go. You receive this right now. You take your authority and you resist with me. Speak to your body. Command arthritis, go out of my body in the name of Jesus. I am healed of arthritis in Jesus' name. Pain, you leave my body. Get out of my body. Swelling, be gone in Jesus' name. Inflammation, be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, we loose the anointing of Jesus to flow through our bodies and command all of that stiffness and pain and lack of movement to be gone. Father, we loose life and health to flow through our bodies and bring us to total health and healing. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's the anointing of God. I believe you've been healed of arthritis. Amen? Were there any of you that had pain before we prayed and the pain's gone? Anybody? Here's people back here in the back that the pain's already gone. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's another one that the pain's already gone. Anybody else? You know what? If God healed one of you, here's another one back here. If he healed one of you, he healed all of you. Sometimes it takes a period of time for what has happened to be manifest in the physical.